straightforward. It's springtime, though. I'm actually, like, in a good mood. I wanted a funny intro. No nonsense. No, we are got to do some funny stuff. This is... I'm turning a new page Drip. Here. Drip. Drip. That is sap coming out of a maple There's tree. There's lots of things uh, dripping right now. That's true. You know what? In just a couple weeks, too, we'll be hearing frogs, and we'll have mosquitoes. You know what? That's kind of a weird feeling, like being excited for warmth, but knowing that there's a terrible thing coming with it. What? the mud? Mosquitoes. Oh. God, it's not that bad, though. It can be super bad. Here's what I think about the fishing world, though. We get to enjoy outside every day. Every day. And if there's any place to be, like Windblown Leech Lake is a pretty good place to avoid mosquitoes. <laughs> Yeah, but my my off season job in the years past, you know, has been working at the outdoor school. They run a camp in the summertime. They hike through the woods every day. <laughs> that doesn't sound super great. That in sounds July. terrible. Yeah. You bring a head net. Uh, not that anybody listening to this needs another reason to go fishing, but for sure, the best way to enjoy the outdoors in the, in the warmth of of summer, you know. Oh, you don't yeah. have to deal with very much BS. Right. Yeah, why not be on a beautiful northern Minnesota lake? What's the buggiest lake you fish? Uh, that I've fished would be, like, I haven't fished there in a while, but Cedar Lake mm. Mm. Is, definitely the, is definitely the most mosquito-y yep. lake that yep. I've been on. Wabado has some buggy spots, even if you're on it. Really? Yeah, it seems like near the, near the bogs, I've had some pretty bad mosquito days in the evenings out there. You know what? When I used to shore fish a bunch, it didn't matter the wind. Anytime you're shore fishing in June, July, August, it is horrendous. (laughs) You get into any sort of tall grass, it's like, I'm out. Run for your life. Were we doing the podcast when we were fishing for creekies? We were not. No? Gosh, that was a good good period of our lives. (laughs) Uh, This is Walleye Talk. I'm Dan. I'm Will. Um, yeah, we used to fish for creekies. We had so much free time that we would go fish for bait. <laughs> we were laughing about that the other it's day. It's incredible how much time we had. Yeah. Maybe a better job to just outsource to the to the pros. Yeah. Finding minnows. It'd, it'd be different if uh, we didn't have so much going on. Especially, like, it's it's very nice that the days are so much longer uh, during those times, like, during our busy season. Mm-hmm. Because you have a lot more energy, you have a lot more time just to fit in what you need to fit in yeah yep yeah. um what t- it is the 10th of march 9th of march and we're gonna try to do two podcasts in march we came off of a pretty good one last couple weeks ago with, with Mackie. dylan Mackey. Yeah. if you haven't listened to that one one of our better guests ever i think it was very fun yep a lot of fun uh and good informative stuff in there too besides just telling fish stories we don't have a real tight uh, agenda on this one talk about a few things in the news um what's happening now and then looking forward into the spring um, so we're gonna keep the keep it loose keep it loose see where it goes um, do a break right away yep having fun in the sun on the lake all day long porta-doc.com porta-doc.com find your local porta-doc dealer today porta-doc.com What's one piece of equipment that you're going to add to your boat this year uh, that you don't have? Mega side image. Oh. 
Gotcha. Uh, I don't. I have just regular side image now. Yep. And it doesn't really do me much in the situations that we have around here. Mm-hmm. But I think if I had Mega, it would. Yeah. It would definitely benefit me. Yep. The screens I've seen from the new stuff. It. In fact, you and I have mentioned quite often how our side imaging doesn't help from our from our generation of units or the ones we had on our past boats um didn't help us find fish very often right and the new ones do in river situations it did uh i i I could read fish really easy sure but in these big vast open expanses where you know in a river situation you have the firmest bottom possible because that's what's gonna stay still yeah um but in and even in our firmest bottoms it's still not even it's not even as firm as the stuff up at the rivers. So sure. to be able to see, and plus most of the time I'm looking for sturgeon. It's pretty easy to pick out a 60 inch fish <laughs> on a, on a side image. Yeah. So yeah, I'm hoping that that's a, that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add a uh, real light, like amber sunglasses. Why is that? Cause what, my eyes now, if I do one boat ride without sunglasses on, my eyes are bloodshot, like worn out. Really? Yeah. And usually you got to do one at the end of the night. Right. You know, in the evenings. So I'm gonna you got to get those HD vision glasses? Yeah, those are real. real like, the Bradco, my dad, yep. he bought those uh, in like November. And he was like, dude, check out my shades, man. <laughs> I bought these. And they were like... Fourteen dollars. He's like, yeah, I can see crystal clear. It's like, yeah, Dad. It's the middle of the day. Of course, you're gonna see crystal clear. No, but this is better. This is HD vision. Right. Makes me wonder what his vision's like normally. He's a road grader, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He was all fired up about it. It was pretty funny. What have you been up to? What's What's been happening in the Longville world? Well, I'm uh, looking into... Sell, well, I'm trying to sell my boat, trying to purchase a boat. And, uh, oh yeah, having a baby. <gasps> Congratulations. Having a baby. Surprised the, you didn't know that already. The biggest news in Longville. Uh, yeah. When's yeah. the due date? August 5th. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we're hoping so. Yeah. Hoping everything... You know, the biggest thing is you just hope... It's healthy, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's all you can ever hope for. Dude, when we found out, we were so pumped. Because, like, you want your kid to have a friend. Pretty good chance <laughs> that our kids will be friends. Even if they don't want to, we'll make them. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just like how they used to make left-handed people right-handed. <laughs> you know? We'll just chain it up and you'll make it work. Right, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you want to like your your kid's friend's parents, too. Which right. Which is... It's like your way to hang out with other adults. Yeah, that you enjoy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you kids go run off and don't break each other's heads. Right. <laughs> it's so hard not to dream, too, about, like, little Ryan, little Noor, what they're going to... Oh, What man. are they going to accomplish? They're going to be the best fishing duo ever. Oh, man. So many great job opportunities. If oh, I'm excited. <laughs> excited for 16 years from now. <laughs> Um, uh, ice fishing's been pretty good around here too. It's like the for sure been the most enjoyable part of the season for me so far. Yeah, yeah. Just the last couple weeks, nice weather. Can drive. Easy to get around. Easy to get around. Fish are cooperative. Plenty of ice still. Mm-hmm. And the the so the big thing that we haven't had the last few years that we have this year 
is our perch fishing's been pretty good. Yeah. It's yeah. been better than usual. Because, you know, it was kind of an issue all over the place, not just on Leech Lake. Like, when Leech Lake's population of perch was really low, mm-hmm. the rest of these lakes had low perch populations, too. And I don't know if it was a coincidence or if it is because of fishing pressures or some outside source. Yeah. But now it seems like we have a really good rebound of that perch population. Sure. Almost in all of our perchier lakes, which is great to see. Yeah. Pretty fun species to fish for. Super delicious. Super tasty. <laughs> we were you, fishing together and you just kept walking by and going, oh, that looks good. So delicious. <laughs> so delicious. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, that was a good, that was a good couple meals. Right. <laughs> uh, it's probably not going to last too long. There's a lot of ice, but we've lost a lot. We've had some warm weather that's been all across the state. And we've got some runoff now. Yep. And, uh. There's not much snow left on top to, to reflect in. This seems like the top half of that, of our ice, of our 30 inches, is that real light. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a memory of seeing this much junky ice. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Um, which I assume is going to make it go quick when it, when it starts to go. The nice thing is, is that all of that, instead of being real black ice where it's going to absorb all that, all that sunlight, mm-hmm. you know, if it's white, it's going to reflect a lot of it. Sure. You know, but... If we're looking, it looks like it's going to rain here this week, so yeah. that's going to eat the heck out of it. Yeah. So Early spring, I would imagine. I mean, yeah. anything could change, but uh, yeah. From the looks of it now, it looks like it's going to melt pretty quick. Right. I think there were a lot of people up fishing this weekend, um, maybe next weekend too, but it's going to yeah, be open water. days are numbered. All right. I think lots of people start thinking about open water stuff. They're not alone. Year. Yeah. March is an open water month for if you're... If you're a real crazy walleye angler. Oh, yeah. Pool you, four. All the rivers. Pool two? People have been fishing like crazy on pool two. That's right in downtown, isn't it? I don't honestly know. I think you're right. Uh, and I'm fairly certain it's a catch and release only. Yeah, pool. and they catch just absolute giants yeah, out of there. Yep. And they can fish it quite a bit in uh, in the winter. Um, I think there's always open water, but their accesses aren't always open. So like pool four, one thing that it's got going for it is like Everett's. Always is clear. Yeah, yep. And I think just the nature of the channel there, like they get some current to keep it open. You know, they don't have to work real, real hard to to bust it up all that often. Right. We're well, looking at some of the pictures from down there. They're starting to catch big ones already. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Anytime now. A <laughs> um, couple things in the walleye world. Um, if you're, you've heard us talk about the four fish statewide reg that I think we both agree we'd like to oh, see. Oh, yeah. There's some momentum um, right now to get it changed. <coughs> I do like your idea, though. The regulation, how to, yeah. how to yeah. Go ahead and tell them about to your, how, how, to, how to get your regulations higher. All right. If, so in, in Dan's ideal world, my suggestion is that they go real conservative with the with the limits. You know, so a four fish walleye limit, which isn't super conservative. Like right. A, That's still plenty of fish. Right. For... Cut them down. But then, if you think that you would like a, a higher limit, you can protest it. And you go and you meet with the DNR official. And if you'd like to keep, say, six walleyes per day, you have to eat six walleyes, six 19-inch walleyes in front of a, a panel of judges. Right now. Right now. <laughs> you want to keep uh, 20 bluegills, you got to down 20 bluegills. <laughs> you want to keep 10 crappies, you got to eat 10 crappies in one sitting. And then if you do it, you're like, okay, this person has a 10-fish limit. We'll write, them a, we'll write them a, a badge and <laughs> we'll, we'll give them a card and... 
You're good to go. Right. George Wells thinks he would have some pretty uh, liberal limits. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there's some momentum to get that. He's actually the only person in the state with a two musky limit. (laughs) 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 And he's not even a big, I mean, he's a big guy, but it's not like he's a plump fellow. No, no, no. Uh, that four fish limit, though, there's some momentum um, to get that done in the legislature. What I've, from my the research I've done, um, there is an organization called the Walleye Alliance, which is essentially like a Brainerd, Baxter, Nisswa area organization, and they do a lot of things for those local lakes, like, and that's great for them. But they're also the ones sort of spearheading the charge on getting this done at the legislature. So if you're interested in that, you could. Look them up on Facebook or something to hear what they're doing. And then what they're calling for is for people to reach out to their state senators or state legislatures and, and just send them an email, say, I'm behind this four fish thing, which I think would be great for for anglers and and the resort community, honestly, to to think a little bit more long term about well, it. Well, you look at let's just take our local lakes here. You look at Woman Lake, especially in the fall. How many fish is that going to save? A lot. A lot, especially when they're very vulnerable because they're eating everything. Right. So, you know, you look at just, look at a week stretch, you know, in that first week of October, how many boats are out there. Yeah. And just wailing on them because they're biting so good. Yeah. Well, you're going to save a pile of fish Mm -hmm. that way. And I, I think that those who would be against it are largely coming from the resort community and they want people feel like they can come to their lake and keep keep you know a liberal limit but this would level the playing field across all of of minnesota you know so right. it's not like a region would have a four fish limit and another region would have a six fish limit not like the pike slot right and there's a lot of lakes that already have a four fish limit so why not like level everything out if anything it would make competition between resorts a little bit more even you know yep People wouldn't be making decisions to stay on a six-fish lake instead of a four-fish lake. And you want to think about certain times of the year, like you come in July, late June, early, mid-July. You know, how difficult... We have a hard time even catching six fish to keep it at those time of year. It's not like it's going to make a huge difference in that time of year, where it's going to make a difference in your spring, in your fall, when you can catch a bunch of fish. Yeah. But I would gladly, you know, what would the, the the exchange rate be? So say on Woman Lake in September and October, you can pretty frequently put limits of fish in the boat. Yep. I would gladly take like a couple more in July, right? <laughs> yeah. Then, and and yes. stop at four on Woman in September and October. Right. I don't know if that's exactly how it works out because it's you still have to figure out the, the July thing, but... It's nice to have more of them swimming around down there. And if you have a problem with a four-fish limit, you certainly should never complain about going to Canada to catch walleyes. <laughs> like, yeah. that's my biggest pet peeve. Like, oh, yeah, well, in Canada, we can catch them all the time. Well, like, yeah, because they've been doing such a, so much, a way better job of conserving their resource because they don't let you keep very many. Right. And you they've know, been what, doing that for a long time. Their max limit's four if you buy the conservation license. You can only keep two of them. Which is what most, uh, you know, Minnesotans do or most uh, They go up to Canada two Americans times a year do. a lot of times. Yep. Yeah. Don't I, complain to me about limits in Minnesota if you're going to go up to Canada to catch walleyes. Yeah. Don't do that. 
anyway, I think this is a good opportunity for your voice to make a difference. Uh, you know, this is not huge, big government stuff, but this is an email that, um, you know, it might be... And it'll only take you 10 minutes to do. Right. And they, they're probably going to listen to you. Um, so, Walleye Alliance, again, is that group. Um, and reach out to whoever your representative might be. Let's take a little let's take a little break here. All right. All right, let's try to get one done. We got a visitor. We got you might hear some baby noises, but we're going <laughs> to we're going to just try to get a topic done. Graham is joining us. Just woke up from a nice nap. Dreaming about catching walleyes. I don't even know how he knows about them yet. It was, it's genetics. He's got a little bouncy chair, you know. He spends a lot of time in it. Just practicing for the boat. Practicing for boat rides, man. I just bounce him <laughs> with my foot and go Psh! I was gonna spray him. I was gonna get a little spray bottle, the warm mister, get him ready for like tiller life, you know. He's got sunglasses, so like I feel like he should get the connection. Like he hears the and then you just squirt him in the face a couple times. Let me know how that works out. I don't know how to have the kid ride in a boat. Right on your lap. Think so? Well, you got power steering. Yeah. You'd be all right. Yeah. Just strap them in, right here, right on your chest. That's probably the, the best thing to do, because we got one of those. That's what I think I would do. Speaking of larger kids, uh, yes. the One Stop is doing some cool stuff this year. Were you? So this year is going to be, so with the outburst of the eruption of ter- high school tournament fishing, yep. the One Stop has chosen to sponsor a couple of teams for this Minnesota High School Bass League. Yeah. <laughs> Real cool idea. Very cool, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to watch these kids grow into fishermen, you know. Yeah. And a lot of them, I mean, see both teams because they're gonna so one stop sponsoring two teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of talent just in these two teams. You For know? sure. Yeah. Um, I I always I like the community aspect of it too. So one we get to live vicariously through them. One of the right. one of the teams was in the. It was a kid I fished with last year. The One Stop Bass Tournament. Yeah. Yep. But he also, uh, he fished uh, on Vermilion right after I had, I guided him and his brother for a couple trips, uh, the Davis brothers. He was up on Vermilion right after that doing the, the state championship for a league he was fishing in. No and he, you can, all, almost all of them have like an online place for the results to post so on my next two trips i was like checking on how he was doing up there so it's fun to just live vicariously through him you know and then um longville has a lot of fishing resources a lot of fishing people oh yeah who can will hopefully help more these than, kids out you more know? than happy to help right right so i think that's it's it's a cool thing for our community to do and this particular league i think there's four tournaments and then the the championship and the championships down in the lax. Right. But there's one on Leech, one on the Whitefish Chain, one on Minnetonka, and then one in Alexandria. So yeah. I mean, all of them are, I mean, half of them are real close to home for us. Right. Um. Right. And and the championship being on the lax is only an hour away. Yeah. Um. It's gonna be really fun to see how these kids. Do. Yeah. And I was talking with Scott about how. I fished my first tournament when I was like 25 or 26 yeah. and just like the launching, like the takeoff registration, all that stuff is pretty nerve wracking. You know, yes. it's hard to know how to do that. So to have some kids with an adult helping them along, get that experience when they're 16, 17 years old, yep. be great for when they're 25 and fishing tournaments. They're 
You're going to be veterans, you know? Right. Hopefully yeah. they're really good when they're our age. Hopefully. <laughs> um, do you have your tournament schedule set up for this year? What you're I think gonna it's going to be the 18th or 17th of May. It's the weekend before Memorial. I think it's the 17th. 17th. 17th of yep. May. So it's the... Uh, I think we're going to do it out of Pikedale. Second week of the season, Sunday. Yep. That's the first walleye bonanza. Yep. And I think we're going to do that on out of Pikedale. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Which is great for everyone but me. Why? Because it's like a 20-mile boat ride oh, to go to the north are? end. <laughs> like, geez, and I fish like the very north end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. That's all right. It's different if it's a 10-minute truck drive, you know, a 10-minute boat ride, 10-minute truck drive, you know, yeah. up to there. But it's different if it's a half hour, right. you know. Right. And so, uh, it's a six-hour tournament? Yeah. Six yep. hours. And I think I'm going to cut it to five fish this time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what most tournaments are. Sure. I don't know why I went with six to start with, but I thought it was a good idea. And, I mean, you do get way bigger weights. Right. But... You know what? The hope is to to congest it a little more, so nobody's really running away with it. Ah, uh, gotcha. That's so, a good idea. Yeah, I mean, just keep keep people more into it. You right, know, right? Because a lot of times that sixth fish is your is yeah. either wins it or loses it for you. Yeah, you can have a real good day uh, catching big fish because it's a CPR tournament, and then still only weigh five. You know, right? Um, and and be out of it because of that. Right. Yeah, that six fish is is a kicker. It's a kicker. Yeah. So, I, I wonder know. what the... Have you heard what Le- the Leech Lake tournament's going to do yet? I haven't. Because they surveyed anglers to see what they wanted. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do for a format. I really hope since they... T- I mean, they take such good care of the fish. With uh, In comparison to other tournaments, they do take a lot better care of fish. It, they care about keeping the fish live better than other tournaments I've been to. Mm-hmm. I'd like to keep it a catchway tournament. I know you had a little problem there with the timing, but um, I, that's that's not been the norm for me. Yeah, I think that they're working on improving their tank system. That's the big the big complaint I've heard is their their tanks could could be a little bit better. But they're still in like the ninety I think they have ninety two percent success rate of release or something like that. It's in it's in like ninety percent. Yeah. Yeah. So which, if you're dealing with 1,200 fish in a tournament, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's it's fine. What I was actually asking about is whether or not it's going to be one one over or two, because they that that they surveyed to see if people wanted a catch photo release, if they wanted one over, two over, five fish, six fish. So, I'm, I think I think it would solve a lot of problems if you did just stick with one big fish instead of two. Because I think the big controversy was people were cheating. They, you know? I mean, that doesn't really eliminate that, though. But if, if you only have one over, you're really not cheating, you know? Because I think a big controversy was people were calling their overs mm-hmm. when they had two in the box. And I think a lot of people were doing that. But you can do that with one as well. Yeah, but that's legal if you have only have one there. So in years past, they haven't let you do that, though. Well, that's true. You only that is like true. if you put your big in the box. It's your big. It. Yep. No, the cat. But that was when MWC. the big was twenty six inches. No, my first year they, it was one fish. So two over seasons 20? ago, one fish over twenty inches, oh. and that was with the the new rig. Didn't have to be over twenty six. No, you're right. Yeah, 
You're right. One over 26. And that was simple because if you caught one over 26, it was... I mean, you'd You're really be gambling box. if you were going to try to throw it back and catch a 27 and a half instead right. of a 26 and three quarter. And that time, that's not going to make that big of... I mean... Sometimes it does, but usually you're dealing with a half pound difference or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what they do with it. But we have no control over it anyway, yeah, so right. it's purely speculation. Yeah. I imagine we'll hear pretty soon, though. I hope so. And it sounds like the tournament, or the, the who was in the tournament got mixed up pretty good, too, because of the new way they did registration. You know, there are some, some new people we know who got in right. the tournament. So. There was supposed to be 17 new teams that joined the field this year or something 17. like that. I imagine that's higher than, than it's been in years past. Probably so. Yeah. You going to do any others? Well, I'll do the, the old one-stop tournaments, of yeah, course. Of course. And then uh, I like to do that September MWC. Um, and then there's an Amon Winnie that I find really interesting. That's in August? I think it's in August, which... Could not work out for me, but I think that would be a fun one to do because, you know, it could potentially be really good fishing out there. Yeah, yeah. So. And we talked about trying to fish Winnie more. I know, and that's how we're going to have to do it is we're going to have to get up there and fish. It's a good way to justify, like, taking time off to, or just taking time to get up there. Right. If you've got a tournament and money on the line. You're going to want to do it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So, I thought that would be a good, that'd be a good way to get us up there yeah yeah uh one more little news tidbit uh minnesota dnr changed some regulations around minnow trapping on infested waters do you have a good can you describe that real clearly you think so on red and on winnie is specifically what they were looking at lakes that have zebes zebes yep infested waters uh they were looking to ban hard-sided traps which they did not, they were not able to do. Which hard sided traps are how they catch most of their, most of the spot tail shiners. Right. Um, a f- I mean, some come from saning, some come from creeks and whatnot, but most of them come from. Like when we're flush on spot tails, they're coming out of those hard sided traps. Yeah. And they're coming from Winnie, Red, and Wax, yep. right? Those are our three main ones. Yep. And if they're ever like seven inches long, they're definitely from Malax. Malax <laughs> <laughs> has got some of the biggest spot tail shiners out there. And I think Red has the, they've got lots of, of small they ones. they got lots of perfect ones. Yeah, I like those ones. <laughs> <laughs> but they were looking to, to stop that. And it ended up not going through, so it will be allowed for this season anyway with those hard-sided traps. Right. And the fear was that because of those, those hard-sided traps would collect more villagers mm-hmm. than, the, you know, say, than saning would. Sure. Um, but with the temperatures being lower in the spring, it's less so of a chance than with the warmer water. And that's been in, in place for quite some time that they cut off... They, they've cut off trapping up there based on water temperature. I yep. can't remember what it is. I think it's 60 degrees or and 58 it, degrees. And that's related to the zebes spawning, I right. believe. Right. Yep. So they're just trying to get get the traps out of there before the lake fills up with all the villagers. Which and, you know, it's funny. So it's not really funny, but uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, so they've found a way to potentially eliminate zebra mussels. Is this the genome mapping? The genome mapping. They put these different strain of zebes out there that will breed 
that are infertile that will breed with these other zebes. And hopefully just suck the fertility out of the whole population. And over time, it will. But the fear is that they might sink millions and millions of dollars into this project, and then they'll just come over the same way they came over originally. <laughs> they won't, that they won't get them all out of these ecosystems. Yeah, right. Now, especially with a big lake like Malax, like Winnie, like Red, where there's tributaries all over the place, they don't know where it originates, originated from. You know, it could be in the, you know, from Malax, it could be in like one of the rivers that go into Malax or something, you know. Um, but it is all related to ballast water on the Great Lakes to start Yes. With, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is interesting that they put such a burden on individual anglers about, you know, infestation. And do they do that with these, with these big shipping boats, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't maybe, know. Maybe they do, but it's sort of like we're maybe we should look at where the problem started too, right. you know, and to to stop it from just happening again. And maybe they have. I really don't know anything about about the regulations on those big shipping t- um, boats, but I don't know. Ultimately, I think what we're looking at is probably a pretty good spring for for minnows. Yeah, we're between that so. and and the. How our spring is shaping up currently. And another thing about minnows. So minnow, you'll get larger rainbows and larger goldies when you have high water because they have more room to grow. Now, we had a huge die-off last winter, and we saw the result of that big die-off last fall. Sure. Where we didn't have, like, we had one of the best falls ever with terrible minnows. Yeah. Terrible yeah. minnows. Yep. Well, I fish with, I mean, I don't mind fishing with sucker minnows at all, but I fish with more sucker minnows than I ever have in my life. Me too. And we've been spoiled. Mm-hmm. Usually you don't have to worry about minnows much in the fall. You don't even think about it. You always got nice rainbows. Yep. yep. We didn't even have nice rainbows. Right. Had, for a little while, their late fall, we had some, but for the majority of it, it was sucker minnows and whatever else you could get your hands on. Yeah. Um, even the fatheads were kind of small. And that was a result of the big die-off from last winter. Um, but now this year, with the water being high, we shouldn't have a die-off because the populations were already low. But this year, we should have a big recovery, and we should have a really good supply of rainbows, of good size goldies if we need them, and you know other river baits because the water was so high and they were protected. Yeah. I, you brought up a good point, though. This would maybe be a good year to start thinking about what you're going to do in the future when you don't have good minnows. Right. You know, and that happens seasonally just depending how the spring shakes out. But also maybe maybe in 10 years, it's a lot tougher to have to have. We may minnows. not have. We may not have good minnows. Right. So why not try to figure out ways to catch them without a minnow when you got the minnows, you know? Right. So you can maybe find some fish and then try to figure out what else can I get them to bite on? Are they going to bite on plastics? Is there a way to work a night crawler or a leech in, early, in, yep. early and catch these fish? I thought that was a good, good forward thinking. You know, if you yeah. if you are trying to protect here, especially if opener is one of your big weekends, you know, maybe you only get up here six weekends a year and opener is one of them. Um, you don't want it to be a bust just because of a bait situation. So trying to figure out other ways to catch them would be a good idea and if you're looking to uh, maybe watch a video on it on how to do it uh i've been watching a lot of the next bite and keith Kavias and gary parsons are some of the best anglers in the world sure you know? 
And they fish a ton of plastics. Yeah. And it's very interesting to see how they do it in comparison to, like how, well, Mark taught me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, if you are looking for something a little out of the box to to watch that maybe gets you, gets gets some ideas flowing for you. Yeah. Uh, It's a good segue too, because we were going to talk about river fishing and springtime river fishing is plastics are a staple. They're usually the best thing you've got out there. You know what? The next time we go to the rainy river, I'm not going to have a minnow in my boat. Yep. Yep. So (laughs) it's a good, I just heard, I was watching a show too. I think it's a tradition we go through every time, every year, this time of year where we start watching TV shows. Cool four videos. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember what show it was. In-Depth Outdoors was talking like the rainy river is a great place to learn how to pitch jigs and plastics you know mm-hmm. just in general a great place to learn how to fish plastics because it's a target rich environment there's a lot of fish out there and they're hungry yeah and all it takes is just a little bit of confidence and you'll use it more often and and know some of the nuances between, behind it you know so if you didn't catch those fish last spring on plastics would you've done it on cast um that's a good question i don't know probably not right. you know we had that rainy trip i probably even had a rod set up for for fishing for fishing plastic specifically and that rod was on opener was just sitting in my little rod corner ready to go it was part of the plan and it did probably start on the river right and then that that i fished it pretty much all summer right wasn't always super successful but i'd had the confidence to know that if they're in the mood for this i'm going to be able to make it look the way it's supposed to look right and and i'll catch them if the big thing is just getting it in front of their face yeah you know Yeah, I'm almost more excited about the the plastics fishing right now than a jig and a minnow for opener. I'm going to play around with it a lot more this year. And I'm a big minnow guy, but I, I mean, the big thing that I want to do with it is I want to pitch it with braid. Yep. And that's something that, I mean, when I do fish a plastic, I guess I usually use mono. Yeah, because it's going on one of your jigging rods usually. Right. Yep. But I want to specifically do it and I want to target it like I would jig a minnow. I want. To, I don't want to throw. I mean, I, I understand how to throw a paddle tail, mm-hmm. and I know how to bring it back. But I want to do something aggressive with that plastic to trigger them to bite, like my like my standard jig cadence. Sure, that's interesting. I I was thinking about braid because one complaint we had, or I've had, is fishing them deep. Like, how do you fish? How do you fish these plastics deep? And most of the time I was fishing them on mono. Well, I wasn't even considering that the line drag is, is making Way that. More. Yeah. So if you if you went with some braid just in general, but then tried to keep the braid small, like maybe even have like six pound braid or eight yep. pound braid. Which uh, is plenty strong for a while. For sure. For sure. You'll, I think it'll open up your water column a lot more just by making that little adjustment. And you kind of got to be Johnny on the spot with them. So feeling every little detail is a good thing. Yep. I think it might be the right the right presentation also they bite they bite it pretty hard dude sometimes sometimes it feels like like when you're unhooking them you're like how is this not coming out of their poop <laughs> you know <laughs> like they just swallow it they swallow it yeah they are very aggressive very aggressive uh one more break and then hit a couple more and call it a day let's do it Dan, the man. Mm. Are you going to be on any rivers anytime soon? That's one big adjustment I'm trying to make in life, is if I'm sick of ice fishing, then just get away from the ice. Right? <laughs> Go, yeah. and, and we have that option in this month. So 
Uh, it's Monday today on Thursday. I'm going down to Winona, family vacation type stuff, but um, I'm going to do some shore fishing down on Pool 8, and then hopefully going to be on Pool 4 for a day. I'm not, I don't own a boat currently, so I'm not towing a boat. Gonna <laughs> Loser. going to have to be in somebody else's boat. I haven't not owned a boat since I was 16. Do people old. know what you're going to get for a boat? We haven't talked about it yet. Well, no. we got to tell them. Um, I, um, I'm super happy about, uh, the fact that I'm working with Muskie House and Warrior Boats this year. So I'll be running a brand new Warrior 2090. <laughs> it's been uh, a project putting it all together. I sold my, my Ranger in January and have been working on this uh, pro staff opportunity with Warrior Boats. Muskie House is just down the road. So every time I drive to Longville, I have to look at a Warrior 2090. And that's been like the boat I've wanted forever. We've talked about that for a long time. Yep. And that came largely from Dan Crone, uh, a mentor of mine when I started guiding. He runs a a 2090. And when I was was in it the first time, I'm like, yep, this is for sure the guide boat. Mm -hmm. And so it's happening this year. I'm pretty pretty happy about it. In a roundabout way, that's just telling me you shouldn't trust guides who run a wheel boat. (laughs) Like, don't believe what they're telling you. (laughs) Listen to Carl Swanson. Pipedale Carl, yeah, had the wrong takeaway from the Mackie. The Mackie, uh, what did he have to say? About well, he that? was like, "I loved hearing you guys talk about crankbaits and wheel boats." And I was like, "Dude, you did not hear the message about Mackie per- teaching." <laughs> He's like, "Dude, please bring. You gotta bring Having me the tiller. Buddy, bring him a tiller. That just goes in one ear and out the other with Carl." <laughs> So he thought we were like switching over to wheel boats, I think, or something. I don't know. He just hears what he wants to hear. No, big tiller, uh, 200 Suzuki on the back. I think that's like the sweet spot for a guide outboard. My first four stroke, I've always owned two strokes, but uh, I went with the Suzuki because I've got uh, a, my tournament partner, Lee Clancy, and then before him, his father-in-law, Gary Clancy, very famous uh, outdoor, outdoor writer. writer ran a Suzuki for like a million hours and then Dan Crone's got a Suzuki and they just they love them bulletproof quiet I think it'll be a good fit I mean not to go on a a side note but it's a noteworthy story so I shot like my first big deer this is when Gary was big and big in the outdoor news so I shot a night a real nice deer right so I I was living or I I was yeah I was living with my folks and uh my dad's like, oh yeah, somebody left you a message on the answering machine. And I hit play. And it was like, hello, this is Gary Clancy. And I'd like to do an interview with you. Uh, I'd like to do an interview with you for the paper, the outdoor news. I was like, and he left a number. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? How does he know? You know? So I call it up. And it's like, not the right number. And my dad just... First it all laughing, so he borrowed a phone, left a voicemail on the answering machine. How old are you? I'm 27. I was 22 at the time. Oh, God. I, I mean, and I've always been real gullible. Sure. <laughs> That's pretty great. Oh, <laughs> uh, pretty good. Good stuff. Yeah, he's he's one of the more famous outdoor writers Minnesota's sure. ever kicked out. And I'm sure he In ran a real that trickster. motor hard. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, uh, boat uh, should be here in the next couple weeks, and then pretty happy to be working with Muskie House. Uh, 
they have some of the best rigging guys uh, I'm aware of. Oh, yeah. Um, they work, Nick Parent works real hard at being the best rigging guy. And by that, I mean uh, he can put your electronics on and make sure everything's running right, everything looks sharp. Um, pretty detail-oriented guy. So It's weird because like, he, he works, he's so meticulous with these boats. Owns like a thirty dollar fishing rod. Right, hates doesn't doesn't understand why people go fishing. But he's got the Humminbird app on his phone. He knows oh, yeah. about all of the electronics. Like he's pretty tuned in. So he stuff. bought himself a nice big unit. He's gonna put it on his kayak <laughs> for the two times a year he goes frogging <laughs> on his kayak. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, so yeah, pool eight uh, this week. Pool four. And then hopefully the rainy at the end of the month, man. I think the rainy. You might hit be... pool four just right. Yeah. Yep. With the high water, it already has high water. Yeah. I what I've heard is that it's not dirty enough. But that was like a week ago when they've had lots of lots of forty five fifty yep. degrees. So it's probably a little dirtier now and could be good. It's brand new. I mean, we just don't get to do it all that often. So it it would be nice if that wasn't five hours away. Yeah. Yep. But I'm excited about the shore fishing too, though, dude. I I have no idea what I'm doing on pool eight, but uh, did some research online and uh, I think I've got a plan for for catching. No, do you? Fish. I mean, do you catch as many saugers downriver as you do up at pool four? I don't. I don't know. I honestly don't know. The this one sets up pretty close. Like you're pretty close to a dam. You know, you're on the the downside of a dam. So um, I assume that a lot of fish winter up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Nice. I'm hungry for them, dude. I haven't eaten a walleye in a while. I'm with you. I'm very, I'm very, I'm right there with you. And the Rainy River could be spectacular this spring. Yes. And the cool thing about having an early spring, especially up on the Rainy River, is you're not only going to get them pre-spawn, but if it's early enough, you'll also get them post-spawn. Sure. Coming out of the river. Right. Which they're just, they're even more hungry a lot of times when they're going out of the river. So on years where we have a really late spring and we don't get a ton of fishing up there, for opener, people will go up there and fish the mouth of the river yep. yeah. and just whale on big, on big ones. Sure. But they're just not full of eggs, you know? Yeah. But they're more they're more aggressive than they are yeah. in the early part of the spring. Right, right. It'd be interesting to compare like the spawning run for rainy river fish and woman lake fish you know how how does the timing stack up between those two i don't know the answer to that you know it's pretty... it's, it's photo driven and and water temp driven i don't know it's pretty interesting about like when women when they were tagging fish on woman how many fish people would catch in girl lake that came from the river that yeah that made that run all the way out there to, pretty interesting. to do their business for sure yep and usually pretty quality fish too oh yeah um, just a few more little details. So I got a message like a week and a half ago. It was right after we did the Mackie podcast, uh, that Matt Alger caught a 32 inch walleye. Jeez. And he was really hoping he could get in on this pie in the face bet. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, Matt, that those rights are reserved for Dan and I. Right. I think we made that bet two seasons ago. <laughs> like one of the first podcasts we've ever done. Neither one of us have ever caught a 30-incher. But you did have a 30-incher in your boat. I did, yep. But the, I got to pitch at it first. Dang 12-year-old kid caught it. Pitching, it's that way. pitching right behind me. Yeah, it is better. It would have been awkward if, if 
Of course, the guy caught a 30-inch, right? I also, it's just, it was a genuine, you know, it wasn't a handoff. He, he hooked it, he caught it. The kid who wanted to catch a muskie caught a 30-incher. Oh, man. Just wicked. Good stories. Just Good wicked. stories. Um, our next, Matt, Matt is like a very loyal listener. Very too. avid listener, yeah. 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 He's reached out to it. I think we've answered a couple questions for him before. Evidently, he doesn't need any more of our help. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll write in suggestions. Like, you guys want to start catching 30 inchers, maybe try this. Here's how you do it. <laughs> um, our next episode, we're going to try to do one more in March and hoping to line up our local bass fishing guide, Andy Jorgensen. Bass master. He Andy. said yes, so we just got to find a date to get it done. You know, the cool thing about Andy is, you know, he's, he's a very intelligent guy. Who has a Jesus haircut? <laughs> He's yeah. That's the bass fishing culture, though. You can look any way you want. Oh yeah. I've got a buddy who like one thing he admires about professional athletes is if you're a professional athlete, you can kind of look however you want to look. Unless you're on the Yankees, but you can you you can grow a handlebar mustache and have hair down to your butt as long as you can throw 97 miles an hour. Nobody's gonna question it. <laughs> Like Seth Peter would be the example of that in the right. bass fishing world. <laughs> you can look however he wants. Dude, you know who I've started to watch? Hmm. Brian Robison oh. has got some great, great bass yeah. fishing stuff. Yeah, and he's got a uh, he's got a Longville connection. He stays at Little Boy Resort. Right. That's the whole reason I looked it up, like sure. see, to see if he had anything on these lakes around here. Yeah. He's got a few Leech Lake ones, and it's just straight giant hook sets. <laughs> Like, nothing's going to get you jacked up more than watching B-Rob whale on four-pounders. He's in the rice bed, and he's just hammering him. Yeah, I'm a six-foot-eight dude. I don't care. I'll put everything I got into this fish. It is awesome. We haven't talked about much, like, what we're going to cover with Andy. I think I'd be interested to hear him just talk bass in a little bit. But then also, because of our focus and it's called While I Talk, I think there's some overlap, some things he can teach us that would be super valuable. I'd love to learn about plastics in the weeds with him. Sure. Yeah. I think yeah. that would be great. He's a, he's just a, he's a fish head. Like, he thinks about it all of the time. Oh, yeah. Not just about how to catch him, but like, why did I catch, why did I catch that fish right there? More so than we are. Oh, for sure. Yep. But, you know, I think that's probably the plastics mentality. Yeah. Yep. For sure. He's, this is another, I mean, Andy's another guy who loves the clam, clam beds, beds yep. as much as we do. Yeah. You know? For sure. Pretty exciting. Last thing. We're pretty excited about this. Yeah. We, we, uh, we made some t-shirts. We made some walleye talk t-shirts. Um. <laughs> <laughs> t-shirts. <laughs> and I think they're good. So we're, we're putting them on sale, uh, this week. We've got a limited number of them, but we've got all the... All Normal sizes. sizes. Um, so if you're interested in representing Walleye Talk with Will and Dan, we've got a t-shirt for you. It'll be the uh, the picture on the on the on this episode of the podcast. We'll show you what the t-shirt looks like. You can reach out to me or Will. Send us a personal message. So that's an email, Facebook message, text message, and we'll either arrange how to get it to you. Um, they're twenty bucks and five bucks if we've got to ship them to you. Uh, one of our, we've got a pretty good tagline on there too. Yeah. Uh, that I think I, I'm pretty proud of. Right. It's, uh, it's set on the top. It says, while I talk with Will and Dan, with Will and Dan. And on the bottom, it says the best 
fishing podcasts you've never heard of. <laughs> right. It's it's great. I think that's got to be true for some people. Oh, yeah. So you'll help. You'll help people hear about it by wearing a t-shirt. Um, yeah. Well, that's about yeah. it for this week's episode. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for listening. Yep. We'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>